welcome to 216, a link to the past randomizer podcast. I am your host, Beer Agent. On the show today, we've got Trinex. Really great conversation with Trinex. Excited for everyone to hear this one. Really love Trinex's approach to the game and kind of his philosophy on rando and his and just his overall like approach to life. <laughs> really uh, big fan of Trinex and excited to get to that interview. We've got the league underway with week one going on. Just a couple more days left of All Dungeons Co-op, one of my all-time favorite modes and you know one of the reasons why the league even exists. Really love co-op. I really just love playing the game with someone else. I think dividing up the checks and hanging with your buds, you know, just kind of easing the stress and the tension of the game a little bit is a lot of fun, even though it's very stressful playing co-op at times as well. I think from what I've seen from the first week so far, as we're about three or four days in, is that people haven't practiced a lot of co-op. That's the one thing that I've been noticing. Back in the early days of the league, there was a lot of co-op going on, and there was a co-op 80 tournament that happened as well. And so there was a lot more practice for co-op, AD specifically. And I can kind of see the difference between then and now. And co-op is a completely different way of playing the game. You have to approach playing co-op AD different than you would solo, open, or standard, or all dungeons. You really have to approach it different. I feel like I've seen people make routing choices that don't necessarily take advantage of what you can do with co-op. I see a lot of people splitting up, which is always good. You don't necessarily want to be in the same spot as your partner. You want to be trying to get as much information as possible. Really, the goal is to get to go mode as fast as possible. And a lot of what I've seen is people splitting up and one person kind of focusing on dungeons and one person focusing on overworld. That can make things lopsided. I think one of the biggest things... I've seen are one of the biggest pieces of advice that I would give is to make sure that you and your partner are keeping pace. My goal when I'm playing with Gamma is for the two of us to to finish within a minute of each other. That's really the goal. And if I'm behind on dungeons, you know, I'm I'm not the one doing the cleaning up. I'm doing the one that's kind of catching up and vice versa. If he's a little bit behind, you know, I'll go ahead and do the scouting. It's hard. It's a different mode. It's hard. It's hard to be good at co-op. It takes a lot of practice because it is a lot different than just playing by yourself. Adaptation is another aspect where when you're playing solo, it's a little bit easier to adapt to the chain of progression. You have more time to think. In co-op, you make a plan, and that plan could be out the window in, in a second if your partner finds, say, the hammer or something. So you got to be able and willing to adapt and change your plan on the fly and try to make the best decisions. Like anything in this game, if you want to get good at it, it does take practice. Uh, communication is is key, and... Knowing your partner's tendencies, knowing what they like to do, knowing how they like to route uh, also really helps. So my biggest advice for people would just be to practice as much as possible. Now we're at the end uh, or getting to the end of co-op AD. And so, you know, not everyone's going to be able to take some of the some of this advice and and apply it. But we do have co-op retrants Uh, coming up in week four. And that just amplifies everything that I'm talking about. Make sure you're practicing co-op retrants. Communication is the biggest factor in being successful in this mode. Ramon and I have haven't played a lot together, but we've been doing some co-op retrants just to get familiar, just to get comfortable with 
how we each route, how we make decisions, how we can adapt to the changes as the seed happens. It takes a lot of work. So if you want to be successful in the league, practice, practice, practice. Be mindful of where you and your partner are relative to the end. Be mindful of of ad- adapting to changes in the route based on uh, items or keys that are found and uh, know how your partner likes to route. I love it. I love co-op so much. Co-op AD is the best. Co-op entrance is even better. <laughs> I love entrance and doing it with a partner is great. Co-op cross keys is tough because you got to really have a good way of keeping note of the entrances of all of the small keys and the big keys and and, and all the items as well. Retrance alleviates that quite a bit. Uh, money management has to play a little bit more of a factor in co-op retrance. That's a little bit easier to do than than marking a lot of the keys and, and, and entrance locations. So yeah, really excited for co-op retrance week coming up in week four. We've got Ambrosia coming up week two. And speaking of Ambrosia, we've got the 216 weekly this Saturday, noon Eastern, available to everyone to play. We'll, we'll be restreamed on my channel, twitch.tv slash fearagent underscore, and we will be playing Ambrosia as chosen by Plasma Kappa. So get a little Ambrosia practice in before week two heading into the final three episodes of the season i've had a lot of fun doing doing this show i've had a blast talking to the guests i've had a blast um interacting with the community and just kind of hopefully creating a a more positive uh, space for everyone to hang out in and uh and i'm hoping when you listen to the show that uh you're able to hear the guests perspective and really kind of take it in and, and kind of understand them a little bit better and, you know, help turn them in from just an avatar you see in discord to, to a real person. But I'm really curious to hear uh, your thoughts on the show as we move forward into season three. What would you like to see on the show? What do you want to get from this show? Are you happy with the format as it is? Is there changes you'd like to see? Who are some of the guests you'd like to hear in season three as well? If you join the discord, you can let me know. 216pod.com has a link to the discord. And I would just love to hear people's opinions on the show as we as we head to the end of season two and look forward to what uh, what the future holds for the podcast. I'm having a, a really good time. But let me know. What do you, what do you think of the show? What would you like to see different in season three? And who would you like to see on in season three? Let me know. For today, we've got Trinex. And again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, big fan of this dude. Really love his approach to the game. And I really enjoy talking with him. I I thought it was a really fun conversation. And it's someone that I kind of wish that I knew in real life so that we could go to one of those like bowling leagues and and have some brews and, and do some bowling and have some fun. So I'm really excited for you to hear this interview. Enough of me yammering. Let's get to that. Here's Trinex. Trinex, I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Uh, we go way back. Um, I remember you helping me out early on. Uh, this is one of the things I kind of want to focus on in the episode is how helpful you are. Is I had a SNES Classic, the little mini ones, and I was trying to get MSUs on. It was like a pain in the ass to get MSUs on. And you went out of your way to like really help me figure that out. Now, I no longer play on the, the SNES Classic, but uh, for the time that I did, it was super helpful. And I kind of see that from you in the community as someone that's like super helpful. And so first of all, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, uh, thank you for having me. This is, uh, this is a great opportunity to talk about useless things I've done, like getting MSU on the SNES Classic that required <laughs> well, changed my life. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> it required like extra hardware. You had to buy like a $10 dongle yep. to get it working. And it was just 
stupid, actually. It was, yeah, it was really dumb. I'm not technically savvy at all. And so how you were able to like even help me shows a lot of your willingness to help others because like, I'm like, I'm like, you got to dumb it down. And then like, you'll dumb it down. I'm like, oh, I still don't even understand any of that. So I, I remember you being a part of the community when I got here. When did you start playing Link to the Past Randomizer? Uh, so I started basically where a lot of I guess I would equivalent that to Boomer's level of like it was the Christos and Andy SGD, AGDQ rather. Yeah. And saw that one and I just got me interested enough to start looking into it. And so I think I joined it directly through some link, but it was that mm-hmm. and also like a side way with uh, seeing a thread about it on the Something Awful forum. So joined up that sure. way and then just started playing some early seeds. It was great. And then from there, just sort of bit. And just kind of went from there. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been a part of the community ever since. So you mentioned something awful. And I think mm-hmm. it was Oro that mentioned the some something awful forums. Yep. So I take it you've been a part of the something awful forums for, for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I was mostly a person who just kind of like read and lurked them since like at least 2007. But usually there's some like different threads about games I'm playing. And if it's multiplayer, there's usually some community that you can just join on for a little bit there and just kind of start doing some random pickup stuff. Mm-hmm. Did that help you with the finding ALTTPR or getting into to the ALTTPR then? Uh, I, it's hard for me to remember how this started. I'm just thinking back now, like everything is just kind of a blur. Is that what, sure. what happened in what order? But I do mm-hmm. remember that I think it was a uh, sailor nap had done the original posting for that thread. And there were some different weeklies and whatnot there. And I would kind of join up and play some random stuff there. But mm-hmm. so I think there's a little, game- a little Oh, sorry. Yeah, this was no, a little bit after I started playing a, a random casual seeds and then posting about it in the main server and just trying to figure out what I didn't know. Sure. So what about your gaming history? When you were, were you a kid, were you <sighs> growing up with games? Lincoln to the past, one of the being one of the games that kind of. Yeah, I would say that my, my first early memory was probably of having a NES back in back when I was like five or so there. Like, I actually can't sure. remember when I got it. It's just sort of like was always there to a certain point. I, I have that same sort of feeling. It's like I remember getting it for a Christmas, but which Christmas I couldn't tell you <laughs> because it just feels, you know, when you when you're five, six, seven years old, it's like, how do you remember? How do you remember any of that stuff? Yeah, it's like I remember like being me a part of being playing the original Zelda. I think my mother played a lot a little bit, then kind of helped me get into it. I might dad was always growing up playing arcade games so the similar ones mm-hmm. that were re- released for the nes like galaga or burger time yeah those ones yeah. are still i think i actually still have for the most part there but oh, wow. you know mario mario 3 mario 1 all all the ones i remember playing but th- that was just sort of like a baseline history and then i didn't get a mm-hmm. snes until it was probably about eight or so i think it was like a birthday gift and it was hooked up for me before my, before i had woken up and from moving from the NES to the SNES, I do remember that it took me at least two hours or something like that to figure out how to turn the SNES on. Like, <laughs> okay. it, it wasn't a press button. It was a yeah. slider, and it just did yep. not occur to me how to do that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no that, that red button you get the little light on. And I think there was a light yeah. on the SNES. I can't remember, but that it's so less intuitive to, to slide it up. And I think at that point I was like seven or eight years old and it just like for some reason just could not figure it out for a bit of time. And then, but right inside there was Mario world. And so it took me like eight or so days to get through that the first time. And then not long afterwards, I got Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. And so that's kind of where things started from there for my SNES journey. Sure. So are you the type of player or were you the type of player that would like spend eight days to finish the game and 
Were you trying to complete it all or were you just trying to beat it? I think for the Mario world, I'm not sure what it was exactly. I think it was the simple beating it. So I was just getting mm. through the normal seven worlds or whatever and then just getting to the end. But I don't remember doing special world at the time there. Some of this might be after the fact, but I do remember getting like the 96 exits, but mm-hmm. that might have just been sort of an after the fact when I was trying to figure out something to do after. Sure. I, I think back of those days and how hard Super Mario World was at the time as a kid. I mean, it seems so quaint now compared to what we have. Yeah. And like, you know, with like <laughs> Mario Maker and the way the, the you know, Super Mario World ROM hacks and stuff that are like really pushing the levels of, of what, what you can do with, with Mario. But I had a hell of a time beating Super Mario World. I loved it, but it was not easy. It was not easy I, I for remember, me. To get I remember through. having issues with actually trying to figure out how to use the cape properly as in like you can mm. fly, but it wasn't in the Mario three, just like press the button and like eventually right. come back down. But like to have to get the coins in that one special pipe area, just like the back and forth rocking motion, it just wasn't as intuitive to me at that point. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it about Link to the Past that kind of captured you? Were you, uh, you, said you played a little bit of Zelda, right? The first one? Yeah. So like I had some memory of it, you know, the first one. And then I think that I played the second one a little bit there, but I actually don't have a strong memory of the, my initial playthrough of the first, you know, Link to the Past, mm. my, my first playthrough there. Like, I, you know, enjoyed it. Sure. Just like, it's obviously one of the games that have had a formative factor in my life, but I have no like explicit memory of like enjoying a certain parts of the first time there. But sure. So as your gaming journey goes on, do you stick with Nintendo or are you kind of branching out? It was kind of a back and forth thing. I think I did eventually get an N64 for my birthday sometime later on that had, you know, Mario and I got Zelda and all that good stuff there. Mm-hmm. But I know that a friend of mine had a PlayStation and the biggest draw to that one was of course, like final fantasy seven. Yeah. And so playing through that stuff there, I, you know, we, we did some trades back and forth and at some point I managed to like either buy it off him. I, I can't remember what the situation was, but I'm like staring at my old PS1 now and I have no games for it except for <laughs> some random ones there. But it's like it's somehow the console survived, but all, I probably sold off all the games to fund whatever the next thing that came up down the line. Sure. So was it Final Fantasy 7 for you that, that kind of hooked you into the PlayStation? I, I would say pretty much that. Yeah. Like I, I remember yeah. doing like some Metal Gear type stuff there. I think I remember playing like Siphon Filter or kind of other stuff there. I think I like other but it was like mostly filter. RPGs. Wow, yeah, like, that's they, they a were name good I games. Heard a long time. Yeah, <laughs> they were good games, but they were like entertaining games. So sure, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of them. I think back to like Tomb Raider was the big one for me mm-hmm. for the PlayStation. I, I did not play Tomb Raider, but I, it was it was big at the time. I just never get a chance to play it for yeah, no, for no particular really, reason. It was big, but I could never get into it. Like I just every time I tried to play it, I was like, man, eh, I just don't. I don't really like this. I'd rather be playing <laughs> Ocarina of Time or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's probably like really weird platforming and like the shooting probably wasn't very like intuitive, but. Sure. I mean, even some of the, like the the sixty four stuff. I was as I've gone back and played it again. It's like, man, this is rough. <laughs> this is not, you know, misswelled by by analog sticks or uh, you know, like stuff that's a little bit more smooth. Oh, having and, and fluid, having but, two analog sticks more more specifically. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I played so much six. Uh, you know, Goldeneye was like Goldeneye and and Mario Kart sixty four were like. I remember leaving school to play those <laughs> and just grinding hours and hours with friends. And now I play it again. I'm like, oh, this is. This is rough. Yeah, it's like it's like the single stick movement of GoldenEye is like at the time felt great. It's like you'd use the C buttons to move around strafing. But it's like Mm -hmm. in hindsight, like how do you actually aim? Like you have to press the button, stop every movement to go. And (laughs) right. It it just does not feel bad. But I do have memory of like actually unlocking every single cheat you can get in GoldenEye. 
And that being one of like my major like video game like achievements in my life. Sure. God, that was that was such good times. And maybe it's just the nostalgia of it, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, just going back and, and thinking about all those hours grinding that stuff out. It's, like, it's probably like my first like thought into like speed running technically because it's just trying to get like the certain levels of time. Oh, for GoldenEye? Yeah. It's like yeah. I never did it properly, but other than like like this, 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 those challenges, it's like having to grind some certain levels. I think it was facility specifically was like taking hours and hours of just grinding to get like the right rng to, to line up to get you sure. whatever whatever like dk mode or like paintballs or whatever <laughs> right yeah that stuff was so good so as you're getting older are you still playing video games as you as you yeah i would on? say I, I probably played them pretty consistently throughout most of my entire life i mean i guess early on like at, at college there there might be some some lull but i, I have like some random game i've been playing probably from then till now it, but for us, the quality thereof have been varying since then. But sure. But I mean, the, the, the quantity is also higher, right? Like back when we're talking about, you know, SNES and, and NES and stuff, mm-hmm. you're either playing, you're either a Nintendo guy or a Sega guy. And then sort of yeah. like Sony kind of comes in and then Xbox comes in and, you know, then all of a sudden you have, uh, you have a lot more options and, and then you got the PC games sort of thing going as yeah, well. It's so. like I definitely joined PC stuff after like, you know, definitely towards the end of my high school, or early college days, because I just didn't get a new console. And so picking mm-hmm. up random things you can get there. And I, I had sort of a potato PC, so you really couldn't run anything that interesting at the time. So kind <laughs> sure. of like going back in time to do other things. Like I think Half-Life was probably one of the early ones I did, mm, but I could never run Half-Life yeah. 2 because there was a huge gap between then. And so it was sure. just sort of playing multiplayer games that popped up that just so happened to run on my PC or laptop for college. Yeah, Half-Life was a big one. Um, I don't think I ever beat Half-Life 2, but that kind of got me into Counter-Strike stuff. And that was sort of my introduction. I I hated Counter-Strike, but at the time, I loved Team Fortress Classic. Mm, Yeah, yeah, I get that. For sure. Why did you hate Counter Strike? because uh, I probably sucked at it, and I was always waiting five <laughs> minutes between matches. <laughs> yeah, that will do it for you for sure. <laughs> it's like whatever playing on D Dust, and then like getting shot in the head by some AWP mm, like the first thirty yeah. seconds, and I'm just watching, you know, my team lose by getting the bomb going off, <laughs> right. or whatever. Gosh, again, that trip down memory lane, that dust level. Because I actually didn't play a lot. Of, <laughs> now that I think back of it, I didn't play a lot of Counter Strike, but I did play a lot of Counter Strike Source, mm-hmm. which was had like the was like the the big upgrade that i remember and and dust was one of those levels and then there's like dust too gosh that's like i haven't thought about those in like 15 years but holy shit <laughs> yeah that, that was yeah, i never, never played source but it was, it was basically before 1.6 i think was like the final version mm-hmm. of the classic version yep yeah yeah i did play some 1.6 that was that was a good time all right so coming back to like link to the past when you mm-hmm. when you first find it are you and when and you find like gdq are you watching speed runs are you watching twitch so Earl, it's a weird it's kind of a weird history it's like i do have memory of being into the speed run of knowing what speed running's what speed runs were rather and mm-hmm. i my first memory of being a person to follow it was actually i think probably like the early 2000s where it okay. was uh, i was actually ocarina of time when i was like one of the runners oh. that of course the person who's been since been confirmed for cheating had done like a sub five hour run of of ocarina mm. of time and it was like kind of a big big deal it's like breaking some sort of big sure. hour record I remember like trying to like watch whatever stuff from Speed Demos Archive to be able to like see it a little bit. But I don't think I've ever ever watched it its entirety because it was just a pain in the ass to download the whole thing. Sure. It's there's no YouTube or Twitch or VOD. Exactly. It's like you had to you had to download these giant files and, and yeah, a little bit rate and yeah. <laughs> 
it was more in awe of the achievement of it versus actually being able to sure. like reproduce it or do some stuff there. But th that got me the idea of like wanting to try to do speedrunning stuff, even though I didn't fully like understand what it took to do something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think I was part, I do remember joining Speed Demos Archive and their forums for some period of time. And I thought like middle of college, I had some sort of lull between classes and I thought like, well, maybe I'll try doing a speed running thing of whatever game I had, which I think one of which was Machine Deezer, which was uh, Mischief Makers. And okay. well, I had the idea of doing it, but the moment I, I tried to sat down and like set my VHS up, tape up for that kind of things there, realizing that <laughs> yeah. my class load decided to explode. So I made a thread mm. for it and then immediately just abandoned it because I just couldn't do any of that stuff there. But sure. it's also a good thing that I didn't do it because watching some stuff afterwards is like the way people were playing that game was like way out of my league. And I just didn't fundamentally understand what it took to go fast, I guess. Mm -hmm. What what game was this again? Uh, Mischief Makers. It was on the N64. It was a 2D side scroller. Okay. It was kind of weird. It's like the biggest thing was like you're playing this main character with Marina who grabbed things. She would say shake, shake. And then it. I don't know how to describe it other than that. <laughs> okay i'll have to look it up because it does not ring any bells it was was it a popular game or was it more one of those it, it, was, like niche? I, it was more niche games i think a lot of people do mm. refer to it after the fact but it's like i i don't even know where that copy of my game went anymore i probably sold it at some point but mm -hmm. that was just one of the random ones that I felt like oh yeah this is, seems interesting enough and i kind of enjoyed it so so you weren't able to do this one because of of your of your schedule did you then eventually find a game to to speed run i did not i, I at some point i think i just started looking into you know seeing some watching it sometime down the line because i I think this is probably like 2007 or so and mm -hmm. i didn't really do any level of like thinking about it until like you know i was doing um which watching GDQ stuff. And okay. at that point, watching it was so much easier than the idea of playing it. Yeah, so, for sure. So I, I can't remember when I started watching GDQ. I was looking at my Twitch account. It's like, at least it's 2013. But I do remember some of the early ones was like probably watching like uh, Yoshi's Island from uh, Tri-Hex. Sure. As some of the people I would watch. And then I can't remember any of the names I would see at the time, but it would just be whatever caught my eye. I would check it out. And then, but I wouldn't like join the community or talk or anything like that. I would just more lurk than anything else. Mm-hmm. Was, oh gosh, those early GDQs, was that Twitch yet, or was it still just uh, on TV? I, I, I can't remember at this point. I know, yeah. it was, I think it was probably Twitch when I started watching him, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when you're talking about the, those early Trihex runs, those, it's funny watching back because of how big GDQ has become mm -hmm. and how small, you know, it started. It was very, very, very niche, just a small group of, of people doing speed runs, but. Yeah, I think it was like the common thread was like this really bad looking red couch or something like that there. Or... <laughs> right, yeah. And now it's a huge uh, corporation. So you see, you see uh, Andy and Christos do that swordless race mm -hmm. and you go and find a way to download some scenes. You start playing casually or do you jump into the racing scene? What's uh, going I on? definitely started casually first. So I was just trying to get an idea of, because I think at that point I had not played A Link to the Past in probably like eight or so years. Like it's just been mm -hmm. sort of like, you know, a game that I enjoy, but it just never actually had a chance to sit down and play again. And so I went headfirst into the randomizer and... I don't think I ran into anything extremely weird, except I think I had a bow in GT big chest early on, which is like something I've mm. never seen since then. But of it's course. just like, <laughs> how can you go so long without having this bow? And it's just <laughs> right. like, it's in the weirdest place possible. But mm -hmm. so 
What was it then about the run or Link to the Past randomizer that kind of hooked you since you, as you mentioned, hadn't played Link to the Past in so long? Well, it's, I, I've always enjoyed the game. Like, I, I do have memories back in the day. So I, I don't remember the initial runs of it. But at mm-hmm. some point, one of my friends from across the street, we would play together as sort of a weird thing where it's like he would travel through the overworld. But for some reason, he couldn't do dungeons. So I would just pick up the dungeons and complete it from there. <laughs> nice. And then we would just swap yeah. back and forth for a little bit. So it was like a you tra- uh, he travels I beat as this level thing there <laughs> yeah and so i so but a couple times he wasn't very good at the game because traveling I'm, to dungeons is like the easy part of the game well right? you know the easy part is like you're just exploring walking around trying right. to figure out what to do next but <laughs> yeah you do the hard stuff i'll do the exactly fun stuff. <laughs> that's good but yes, yeah, so I, I, I do have strong memories of the game itself and of course you know i use this you know handle for you know a reason but it's sort of a. But Did you have point, the handle before you got into Durando? Uh, yeah, I've been using this probably as long as I can think of it online, just in terms of just a, wow. I needed some handle to have. I think it was sure. actually ha- Half-Life Deathmatch is I went online and then I was using some variation as an, or a nickname of my real name. And I joined uh-huh. the server. And what happens is that if there's another person with the exact same name as you, you have like a one put in parentheses next to the end of your name. And mm. I didn't know why that was a thing other than the fact that, okay, you were not original enough. So therefore, <laughs> right. you, you get to put like the default bad name. Right. And so once I realized what that was, I went through and I had like the link to the past players guide near me. And I went through the book and I just looked at whatever random name looked interesting to me at the time. And so uh-huh. Trinex with... The two X's looked cool enough, so therefore I just chose it. And I've been nice. using that consistently since probably the, the late 90s. Wow, that's hilarious. You would think, having the name Trinex, that you you would have been like a Link to the Past expert. No, it's just a cool name that you found from a game that you yeah. enjoyed. I mean, it was either that or that's Vitreous, awesome. and I think, I think I chose better, but... <laughs> I do think you chose better. It's way better <laughs> than Vitreous. Uh, I don't know if I'd have you on the show if your name was Vitreous. I, I'm just kidding. Oh, that's that's uh, pretty fair, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you 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 pick up the seeds. You're playing casually. How are those how are those going? Besides the bow in, in GT. Well, it's like I think I started seeing my times come down relatively fast. I think my first seed was about seven hours, and then I went down from like five, three, and mm. changed. But I didn't quite break the three hour range for some period of time. It's like I think it was probably over the course of a month because I didn't start until late January 2018, and then mm-hmm. I don't think I joined any race until probably late February. But okay. I can't remember what prompted me to join. It was probably some large, one of the large races that happened in the weeklies. Like on the Sundays, sure. you would get into 86 players or something like that. Yeah. some really large amount. And those felt more, I guess, friendly for me to join where I could play. Mm-hmm. And anything I did literally did not matter because it's just like I would just fall right. into the end part of the stuff there. It would just be a, a no, no person, just non-entity. As long as I didn't get last, nothing really mattered at that point in time. But I think that was kind of how I started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those big races, there's a, a a bit of, I don't know, it's it's less competitive feeling, but mm-hmm. while still being competitive, right? Like, if you finish, say, an 80-person race, you finish 50th, you know, how, how are you going to... Yeah, like, really those matter? definitely felt a lot more approachable to me of just being, like, kind of an anonymous person versus having to do more intimate races and actually, like, sure. feeling you get the lower end of stuff or higher end. But, well, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be higher end at that point, but... <laughs> sure. So are you grinding? Are you doing Are you doing any sort of offline practice? Are you thinking about uh, uh, jumping into NMG? At or? this point, not really. I mean, I didn't do NMG until some 
sometime later on. But I think it was doing those races, feeling comfortable enough to join other stuff there. Because I had been doing, mm-hmm. I, I've been doing IRC stuff for several years at that point. So it wasn't too intimidating to actually get into the old SRL stuff. But okay. I think it was due to my schedule be after work that it was the the former nightly races. So it wasn't, it was SG had stopped doing daily races for I think tournament related reasons. And I mm-hmm. think it was sort of a, the community doing some pickup races at 10 o'clock every night. And that was the ones I was able to join up and do kind of things more often during the week. And so. Sure. So when do you start, start to step into the more competitive stuff? Do you start doing tournaments or. So I did not. So I think by the time I was starting to get comfortable with racing, I think the early tournament that popped up was the infamous five twelve Swiss. And right. I was not quite ready to jump into that kind of stuff there, even though mm-hmm. that I think in hindsight, based on the people who joined, I was more than qualified to do it. But I just didn't. <laughs> right. I didn't feel like it at that, that point in time. And so I think that sure. was one of my biggest regrets is not joining that that cluster of a, of a tournament to be <laughs> mm-hmm. infamous, infamous tournament, yes. right? It's like, like it's I don't so- have the same battle scars as other people because I was <laughs> right. watching it from the sides. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that was so we think about like the league or some of the main tournaments and how many races are going on there. But damn, 512 people doing a Swiss is just insane. And I remember because it's when I started watching and, and there was like mm-hmm. so many races on speed gaming. It was just wall to wall ALTTPR action. <laughs> so wh- 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 when do you decide to start to get more, I guess, competitive? So it's it's hard to say because it's like I would started doing other tournaments. I think the first one I have listed in terms of like doing one v one was actually uh, something awful related, and oh. I think this was probably I think it was like late summer, early fall of 2018. And so that's like the first mm-hmm. memory I have of joining a tournament. And okay. looking through the list here of like people I've played against, it's like I do remember it's like no one who still is active in the community, but I did play Blaine early on. And I think I lost mm. that race by like nine seconds. I think it was mm. back when we were both not good, but he was like definitely like the person to, to beat. <laughs> right. And I, I think I done a, did a dumb like ice palace dip that, pa- that paid out for me. But at some point I... F- could not execute GT and then at some point just failed myself at that point. But otherwise, like that's what kind of like my early memories of getting it. And so after that, I'd be like trying to join the I think the qualifiers for that main tournament. I think I played one and then I had to do traveling. And then at that point, I joined the Challenge Cup. Mm, I see. I see. So the, the something awful thing, are you starting to develop like a community over there with with the rando people? Uh, so I, I did have some community going on there. Like, I think. The most of my playtime actually was sort of the people who I'd done from the uh, those early nightly races, which ended up being like mm. Scary Olive. I know like Ultima sure. was the people at the time there. I think uh, Oase, the pe- my current tournament t- teammates. But those right. are the people I was starting to play with first and then had some kind of way to go. But this was like kind of an alternate thing to have, you know, it's just a secondary community I was playing with. But uh-huh. yeah, I, I gosh, well, our so- stories are so similar in the fact that you back when you know the group races were happening you'd kind of group with the people that were in your time zone like your playing mm-hmm. time zone you know that's kind of how i got hooked up with gamma is we're both pacific so we're both racing late night and uh, well, you kind of find those was, people that are it wasn't quite late night enough this is actually one of my reasons why i actually hate cross keys is that when that was starting to become a popular thing back at that time period they would like start at like 1 a.m my time and so I would just sure. never be able to join because four right. hours for an entrance seed that I've never played before seemed like an awful way to start the next day. Mm-hmm. 
And so every time totally. those would be called for, I just never was able to join. So for me, not playing cross keys is sort of more of like a mental hurdle than anything else. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I feel I bad that. of missing all this stuff. Therefore, I'd never want to play this again. So, so far <laughs> sure. in league, I've never had to play it. And I hope to keep doing that this year, but we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, so you said you joined the Challenge Cup. How did that go? Um, I did okay. I got out of groups. I mean, looking through my list, I think I had... The first time I ran into wall kicks and I got kicked, I got my ass kicked pretty, pretty, pretty thoroughly. <laughs> sure. And then just going through some of the earliest stuff there, it's like, you know, I made it like a few rounds after brackets. I think I was like, I had beat Alizune, but lost a hacksaw. Okay. And okay. So, I mean, I a couple rounds, but not too bad there, but. What, so what's your play style? Because this is not something that I, that I really know about you is. Are you competitive? Are you more casual? Are you somewhere in between? That's I what I would guess, myself, right? Somewhere more in, in between. And mm -hmm. there was there was a period of time where like I did want to improve. I was I had more free time. I was really like into the game. And so I think it was early on. We were, like I would play a race and I would die to blind like seven times and I would forfeit. And then I would like spend an hour trying to learn the blind fight, but the, mm -hmm. the blind script. And like mm -hmm. there's there's a period of time where I was like feeling into like trying to improve myself. And at some point that led me to like some early NMG, NMG stuff, but it wasn't really like, a focused situation. It was just sort of this is a way to do improvement in a way that's right. like you can compare to others. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. random is pretty open-ended. You can have any random stuff of gear, but like, if you want to like see a side-by-side -side comparison, this is the way to do that. So that's kind of when I right. first kind of pick, picked it up and do, doing some stuff there. Was that shortly after the cross or the, uh, the challenge cup or uh, probably like, I, I can't yeah. remember when I picked it up exactly, but I was just sort of doing some random stuff on the side, but I didn't do any like major grinding and probably till like the start of 2018 or so. Oh, 2019 rather. Sure. And then actually trying to get some stuff down from there. Sure. Now, speaking of 2019, mm -hmm. you are one of the few people that have been a part of the league since the beginning. Like mm -hmm. you've had uh, a team since season one and it's continued through season five. So tell me how, because I, I don't even remember all of this. How did you find out about the league? How did you join? And then how did uh, Two Pearl, Two Furious come about? So I believe that it was Ultima had gotten wind of it some way, shape, or form. I, I, I don't even know where exactly. And mm -hmm. I think they were looking for teams to join up because they were thinking like, oh, you get like, was it, I think it was 16 teams total at the 16, time. 16, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like if we sign up early, we might be able to get in there. I think you could get like a heads up ahead of time that this might be a thing. And I think he was trying to recruit people. I was on board and I think we're trying to get some third person. And I think at that point, Scary Olive was trying to be recruited by one of the other uh, French Canadians team. I think it might have been like they French Canadians. Oh, and okay. I think at some point we, we took him from for everything else. But we were having some pr trouble trying to find a team name before signing up. And we were just doing some spitballing on some of the stuff that we had. So at some point, I think Two Pearl, Two Furious came up as a random name it was just a complete post and ultima signed up with it and that's just kind of how we stuck with it it's so such a good name that has lasted throughout these <laughs> five seasons and i love it i love it so much it was definitely my favorite that first season the logo and everything is perfect as well yeah i think the, the uh the team itself was like uh, i was taken after a, a special match during the 512 swiss i think it was uh doom tap versus terra nunes something like that there and somehow oh, okay. Doomtap had formed a seed where it was broken and he actually got two pearls mm. early on. And it was, this was done via jank restream. I think it was scary all of doing the restream. And he was <laughs> right. just trying to like figure out what was going on. At some point, all the admins joined up trying to figure out what was happening. And it was just it was kind of just a big, just a big 
clusterfuck and it was just trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> and at some point, like, I guess, like, doomed to have probably, like, tried to re randomize a randomized seed or something happened there. But uh -huh. it was one of the early situations where I think Olive was not doing any major restreams or any major commentary yet. But after that, just the way he handled it was sort of like he was getting asked to do more uh, more commentary on like major channels since then. But sure. yeah, Jank Restreams is the basically the way to go from going back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And scary. Uh, I mean, I've, I have to get scary Olive on the show because mm -hmm. he's become a meme on his own from the <laughs> league. You know, I think it was from season one that his his his, you know, meme image came from. I built no, 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 it, it could have been season it, one. It, it, it would have been season two. Yeah, would have been it, right. Because that was the first time we had it. Right. That was the spoiler log co-op pilot thing that, that that we came up with for for league mm -hmm. and he was piloting either you or your, your teammate i can't remember yeah, which it, it was a, it was a loss at the time and okay. i think they were reading through it and this is a common thing with regard to him where it's like reading skull woods and thinking it's swamp palace or some back and forth right. there and had a loss <laughs> finish swamp and then a yeah. pendant drop he's like dude what am i doing it's a pendant <laughs> Yeah. And the look on Scary Olive's face is <laughs> just classic. So if you actually go to the league site and you look up two Pearl Two videos, you see Scary Olive's uh as his image and it's that's from that moment. That was so awesome. So tell me about that first that first season of the league, because the league was, you know, just being developed. It, we had no idea what it was gonna be. I've said this before, but I think that season one of the league was probably my most memorable part of anything to do with this community whatsoever. It was just mm. a chance to have fun with your friends and just watch them play random games with other people. There was no real commitment. There was no mm -hmm. sense of competitiveness. You were just playing games with other people. And it right. was just kind of, it was just fun. And it, it's, it it, so it's really fun. hard to, it's really hard to like specify like how, how great it was to play these, you know, relatively competitive games or like games that are close with other people that didn't really mean anything. It's like there was nothing, mm -hmm. there was no outcome. Like there was like no push to go like further on the brackets. You just had, was it probably six or seven weeks? I think it was six weeks early on, right? Yeah, it was the six first weeks season. the first time. Yeah. 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 And then just, you just played six weeks and you were just kind of done. And that was yeah. great. Yeah. Cause I think we were coming off of two main tournaments in 2018, right? And one of those main tournaments was you play 15 games regardless of your record. Mm -hmm. And it was such a burnout. I think they even did that in the, in the challenge cup as well. And people were just so like over playing tournament races, but mm -hmm. I also like that competitive nature of, 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 of tournament races, but doing it with friends. I thought that was the, the part that was missing. Yeah. I think with the, it's the, with the friends part makes it, a little bit kind of less stressful overall to me. Like I, I didn't right. have to perform for them, but I would be able to sit and watch. Cause it was like, you know, I, if I don't feel like playing this week, I didn't necessarily have to, we, we could plan ahead of time. So like you mm -hmm. get some breaks off and just, just the general format of it just hit me right. better than probably most anything else. I think I've played at that point in time. Right. It, that first season, we only had one week of co-op, which was unfortunate, mm -hmm. but there was also, I, th I think you'd only play like three or four games you know, over a six week period. So it's like less stressful or whatever. Yeah. It's like I'm looking through my history. It was like five games total I played and yeah. the two of which were co-op because that was the week we had to do some stuff. There, sure. But. I don't know if you remember, but we played that, that first season. Mm -hmm. It was and an inverted was seed inverted with like yep. moon pearl in crystal roller. And crystal I think roller. We, we both sucked. 
Like absolutely, right. we, we, do, we did not understand the mode at all. Right. And well, inverted was it, so new at the time, and I had been grinding it and playing it a lot, so I was pretty confident in in that. Except for that situation, which happened. <laughs> I think if you're more involved in like entrance, I didn't realize you could get all the way to Crystal Roller Room in the way that it was, and I ended up forfeiting early. I felt so bad <laughs> about that one because well, I mean, not only was the seed that that moon pro was really shitty but the rest of the seat i think from what i remember was even worse yeah i think it was the moon the light world open up I, I i have no explicit memory except for that moon pearl but yeah. i had known that you had forfeited early on so it's like at that point it's like nothing was coming easy it was just the slog of like okay I just, all, all i have to do is finish this race <laughs> yeah. and i'm done and it just would not fucking end it, it did <laughs> not end i felt so bad. i hate i hate forfeiting early but i couldn't figure out what to do and i so think I, that know, i, I so think ultimately I, I won on paper but you had the moral victory of just not dealing with that shit <laughs> right i just remember feeling so bad watching you finish because you have the finish on 218.29 this is a regular okay. inverted seed no keys no nothing it was just inverted and it wasn't like you had to kill blind earlier or mm -hmm. or kill like do some cold well, stereo well, we actually, hearts or whatever we but. actually did have to kill blind if we didn't understand how to get to, to turtle rock i think it was mm. a low heart blind it was an option and i think both you and i missed the easy way to get the pearl earlier and then we just went back <laughs> sure. and it was like we had a potion like maybe like four hearts and it was just yeah. oh it was, it was bad though it went on for a really long time i've i've always felt really bad about that one ever since season well one. i mean we, we are we do have a chance to play again this year and oh, it's unfortunately it's, it, yeah i think we're on i think we're meeting meeting up in swordless week so if you want to do oh, another okay. like bullshit you know kind of grudge match i mean i'm on board with that <laughs> Yeah, we, we might have to. I was trying to avoid Swordless, but uh, <laughs> we might have to get some a grudge match going there. So so you enjoyed season one then of the leagues mm -hmm. from, what, from what you're saying. It was great. Yeah, uh, like I said, it was great. Uh, season two, uh, you replaced Ultima with Oasi. I don't know how much you want to get into it with Ultima. Uh, well, I mean, to say we replaced him is sort of a kind of an understatement right. based on the fact that right. both you and I had to ban him. But that's besides the right. point. <laughs> right. OK, so actually, let's before we even get to that, let's let's talk a little bit about you. We're part of that first council. What mm -hmm. made you want to want to join the council, and and how do you feel it went? And especially having to ban one of your league teammates, which <laughs> is such a shitty situation to be in. Oh uh, yeah, that was basically one of the biggest I think back and forth we've had during that that council year. But it was uh, I don't know. It was early on when they announced the council to happen. I wasn't that I guess well known in the community. It was like it was about, this would have been early 2019. So it was, it was yeah. there for probably like less than a year. I don't play as often as some of like the really like hardcore people would do. Like I would do mm -hmm. maybe like two or three seeds a week, but like other people would be like really grinding out more random than I could. Whereas like I couldn't just do more than a seed a day because I get huge seed blindness. But for sure. some reason it's like, okay, well, I, we'll join up. We'll see what happens. But I think my council application was something like, oh yeah, I'll help learn, help new people learn how to do stuff. But mm -hmm. I think I read it afterwards. It was just like really poorly written and, to this day, I actually have no idea why I was even chosen for it. <laughs> I kind of felt the same way. I was like, I'm going to apply because I'm so involved with you know, like the league and stuff, but I don't expect to get it. Then I got it. And I'm like, how did this kind of happen? But yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not, we were in the same boat in that regard. But. <laughs> so, well, the record, I mean, yeah, that first season, that first council term, tell me your thoughts about all that. So it was almost completely open-ended. Like there was a couple of things we had to do that was like basically long delayed. I think the first one being like mimic clip, but at that point in time, like there was just, there was no rules. Like you would just sit yeah. there and try to figure out what was going on. 
And so we tried to do some level of figuring out what we needed to do. I actually really enjoyed one of Wayne's early stuff there, like doing these like kind of mini newsletters of the decisions we made. Granted, mm-hmm. they got a lot of blowback, but I think those were a great idea, at least that never went through since then. But yeah, but it's like at that but point, that, like there, there wasn't really anything we had to do. It was just sort of like there were everything. It was sorry, it was everything we had to do, and but there's no real right. guidelines. So we were just kind of right. just we, we were just we were just winging it. Right. It was like, all right, you're the council. Figure this out. And it's like, figure out what? (laughs) I'm like, oh, just figure all of it out. You know, they got tired of, you know, because the rules for a rando were based off of the NMG rules. And rando Mm -hmm. is so different than NMG. And, you know, new stuff is being found. I think you mentioned the mimic clip thing was was. Mm -hmm. Was, was rather new, and I think there was some other stuff. I can't even remember. Uh, so we had all of that, and then we had the, the cheating accusation against Ultima, who ended up getting banned, who was, was part of your teammate. Again, I don't, I don't, you have to talk about more than you want to talk about with it, but kind of your perspective on, on all of just, you know, the Ultima thing and, and figuring all that shit out. Uh, yeah, just like I would think that my, from my point of view, my strength was never with regard to VOD review. So I was never able to person to sit down and figure out what was like suspicious, what was not. So most of the actual like, you know, kind of discussion about what happened on anyone that we actually reviewed was just sort of like I would leave. I I would go through it. I would watch it. I would have my initial opinions. But in terms of like what was weird, I would kind of defer towards the people who did that more. Like I think it was people at the Mm -hmm. time was like Ack or Korak or people who were actually a little bit more involved with that kind of stuff beforehand. That would just like see their... See, see their analysis and just kind of have some points in there. But mm-hmm. so in terms of just after the, other than that, like, you know, some, some stuff there that was just, okay, it was pretty straightforward and obvious. First things we do, yeah. I would just download someone's VODs from Twitch just to make sure they didn't disappear in the middle of the night and then mm-hmm. re-upload them to my uh, YouTube account as necessary. But right. Right. But other than that, like of all the things we had to do, I think the cheating stuff was sort of just not in my wheelhouse. So I just never, yeah. I mean, I was involved with it because we had to be, but it was just not my my go to thing of things to be sure. concerned about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, the cheating part sucks. Uh, that was the part <laughs> I, I honestly I didn't really like any of it. I, like, I don't like coming up with rules. I don't like, you know, like trying to figure out who's cheating or not. I just kind of want to mm-hmm. enjoy the game. And so I, I was not cut out to be on the council. Like I tried, but I'm also too opinionated too, where it's like I'm strong and emotional <laughs> and we're willing to argue with people and stuff, but. Well, I think there was a lot of arguing early on and some of that stuff. There, there. was a lot. Quite sh- I, I think a lot of it was good. I think some of the early stuff that we were doing was probably the first round of auto tracking things. And right. it, well, while it ultimately failed, I think that there was a lot of there was a lot of strong opinions on that was more on the pro side. And it wasn't through it, it was through like a lot of the arguments that other people was making that I started became more like online with, OK, maybe auto tracking in entrance mode is not a good idea. Maybe there should be limits to it. I think it was like Korak himself that actually had some really good points that kind of made me start thinking about that more. But, but it didn't really mm-hmm. sway my opinion. I think that it really kind of made me thinking more towards what their 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 viewpoints were. And even though it was like a lot of it was heated, I did right. read pretty much everything and just take it to heart as best as possible. Sure. I mean, that first council had a lot of strong personalities, right? <laughs> like, I feel like. The council now doesn't have as many of those like strong personalities, people that are probably a little bit more level headed, but you had a lot of people that were willing to argue their points <laughs> sometimes yeah. loudly. You, on the other hand, are from from all our interactions are very even killed and level headed about a lot of it. And yeah, I think I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't consider myself a strong opinion. Like I, I had, you know, more positive things and some certain stuff. But once I had my once I had my say, like there wasn't really anything more to say. So I, I did. 
yeah. know, have any reason to try to like convince further or something like that there. Like, I didn't sure. have to write like a full magnum opus about why Autoshock is good because otherwise <laughs> right. I, I don't right. write that well to start with. So I'm not going to convince people, but just so like, <laughs> yeah, well, I think yeah. it's good. We should do this. Mm-hmm. How long did you end up lasting on the council? Uh, I just did two seasons. I think it was two, okay. two terms rather. And it was like, mm-hmm. after that, I was still actively playing at the time, but for me, it just felt like that getting new people in was, was a better goal than just sitting yeah. there for a period of time. Like I, I just right. felt like, okay, two seasons done. I did things I contributed and then had nothing more I needed to prove or like that. So sure. I just willingly gave up the seat and just to make sure someone else got a chance to join up who was still active or doing some more stuff sure. there. So. Is that when you moved into a moderator role for the for the ALTTPR Discord? No, I think the moderator stuff didn't come until like sometime well after the fact, like probably a couple of years at that point. Okay. It was just sort of like, I think in that, in that situation, it was more like I was still around the main server. When people would have new questions, I would just be one of the few people who'd be there. And so I think at some point I was just like, hey, Trinex is helpful. Let's just get him to do some minor <laughs> stuff there. So, yeah. and, and that's yeah. basically all the role is now. It's just a person who can kind of move things around and just that, but sure. I'm not doing anything of note other than occasionally being able to delete stuff or ban people. That's basically it. Sure. I mean, that, I mean, that's kind of what the mod is supposed to be anyways, right? Like mm-hmm. someone to help moderate and, and help people point them in the right directions. Right? No, that's it. It's just kind of like, it's just a really minor kind of just watching, making sure things are going fine or right, right, right. So you move into season two, you, how, how does Owase become part of, become part of two Pearl? Uh, so th- they've always been part of the same back, back group of friends from the, the ultimate server that we were kind of all part mm, of there, like okay. the ATP Fando, whatever stuff there. I mean, I mean, once, once ultimate was gone, we would just needed some other player to do stuff. And Owase said they would. And so that's basically how it happened. So, yeah. Another really good dude. Another guy that's really good mm. at the game as well. Yeah, he hasn't been playing her too much there. I think he's been doing other stuff there. And I think that we're getting sure. back for do league stuff. And that's kind of what Olive and Oase are kind of just doing now is just like occasionally pop up once a year, do some stuff there. I think Olive is doing the French tournament stuff there, but sure. It's just, it's really but, kind of like just dialed back with level of play in terms of right. that. So how how is the league overall after season one kind of treated you? Uh, I would say in general, league seasons have been pretty good. Like I, I think mm-hmm. from my point of view of how I treat the league, I think season two was really really fun in terms of like keeping the same level of like non stress with regard to that. I think it was starting to mm-hmm. season three, season four, it starting to become a little bit more. I guess when the league became competitive. And yeah. it's a not very well-defined term, but it's just sort of like, that's, I mean, the way I played it wasn't any different, but it's just sort of like what other people's expectations of it became a lot more stronger right. than I thought they ever deserved. And right. that's not to say the league wasn't deserving of it. It just sort of like, it just became more than what I thought it was going to be. I mean, I always go back to your definition of what the league is or what, mm-hmm. you know, what initially was was con- conceived as and it's kind of like as you said multiple times in, in in many discords it's like a beer softball league and that's what it's supposed to be it's not supposed to be the pros it's not supposed to be the major leagues um it's more of like a beer softball league where you you know you try to do well but in the end you're just there to have fun with your friends yeah and, and it's like you, you show up you have some beer with your friends your people you're playing against is like some 80 year old grandma who's doing some stuff there who's just doing the exact same stuff <laughs> right. like you're trying right. to have fun but you basically the person you're playing against is your Self, you want to do well, but just keeping everything as, le- as even as possible. But it's like I, I've, I've never done softball myself. I think my direct com- comparison would be like a bowling league. 
but sure. it's the same thing sure. where it's like you see like people who are like townies doing some stuff there who are just like old retirees every once in a mm-hmm. while you see like one person taking it too seriously and like swearing because they missed some <laughs> right. they missed conveying some strike like dude calm the fuck down <laughs> right right yeah but it's just like yeah, yeah as long as you come with a six pack and have some during the middle of it like that's kind of all you want to get out of it sure yeah and that's the hard part about the league right it is after season one season two blew up and then it just kind of grew beyond that and then when you have that many people it's like you know it kind of becomes its own like everything own that happened is makes perfect sense like you want to make sure the teams aren't a blowout so therefore you have to do some level of balancing that's why the mm-hmm. open league became a thing so that you know we can have some level of fun between each other but then of course the next step is like well how do we become invitational in my case it right. was just sign up sign up early mm-hmm. but for the other people who <laughs> right. joined it later it's like you have to kind of start proving yourself and it's just like it becomes it just it has a level of you know like i think it was i can't quite describe it but it just like increased it a little bit more than i would have wanted it's like now i have to worry about being relegated which is like right. the next step worse than making the playoffs which i never want to do <laughs> right <laughs> so you like where you like where your team's at like right exactly in the middle yeah because like, I, if i if i have seven weeks to to have towards this thing i can dedicate them there's no question mark about what happens afterwards it's just done yeah. have fun you do your stuff and go on from there with how the playoffs evolve well granted I, I, you know i've not been part of them that it's kind of hard you know <laughs> right. it's funny to say like how bad i feel about it but like they're sure. just as long as the league season like if yeah. you're the winner like you're playing longer than you would for the seven weeks and it just seems sure. kind of ridiculous to me like if things would go that long versus just sure. okay top two top teams in the division play the next after that and just call it a day yeah. have a banquet yeah. Have your free chicken early. <laughs> Give 30. everyone a trophy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Your, yeah. your 30 yeah. cent trophy that has like some baseball player made out of plastic. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that approach. I think men- mentally I'd like to have that approach. I'd like it if I could like, you know, approach the game like that way, because I think it, mm-hmm. mentally for, for me, it helped. But there's also this like competitive edge where I'm like, I got to be the best. Da, 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 da. And it's sort of like this budding heads of casual and competitive that I can't really make heads or tails out of, you know? Yeah, I would say the one of the main reasons that I don't like being full on competitive is that I've had people in my life that just seem to take things way too seriously. Yeah. And I just like when they win, it's like you have like really good celebration type stuff there, like kind of joyful stuff. But when they lose, it just becomes like an energy drain for everyone in the room. And mm. it's not necessarily related to gaming, but let's say was like one, one example I have is that unfortunately I'm a Patriots fan and oh. <laughs> I go visit like, you know, some game day stuff with my family. And then, you know, they had a good, pretty strong winning streak for quite some period of time. But when they have like a bad game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But when they have a bad <laughs> game, one of my one of the, my parents friends would like start swearing or like get like half, half you know, you'd be full on drunk and just like, you know just dropping F-bombs for like the next like 15 minutes because they like they didn't get a touchdown or something. And it's like that watching those kind of stuff that happened that just kind of drains my level of like wanting to be part of that kind of stuff there. And it's like it's happened occasionally during gaming and stuff where it's like, uh, what is it? One of one of the games I was playing for some period of time on Switch was uh, Killer Queen Black. It was something that Aura had recommended once because I think that they had like just enjoyed some of the arcade stuff. And so I was doing, I, I'm not sure how to describe the game exactly, but it's like there was a casual mode. You would be able to play with four people online and you can, you can rank up or you can just play in this sort of a casual queue. And I was in that. And at a certain point, it was like I would play one of the games and 
get the special royal of the queen and play really badly. And all of a sudden, people popped up on voice chat, which I had not heard before on this game. And they were mm. like berating how bad I was playing. And it's just like, why are you taking this so seriously? <laughs> like, right. We are in a casual yeah. queue. Like, we're not like playing for anything. And all of a sudden, right. it's like hearing my name, like just getting like sort of like, oh, you should never play the queen again. You fucking suck. And there's been a lot of in instances of that in my life and some of the competitive games I've played that I've never pushed beyond wanting to get better beyond my like skill level of wanting what, what I wanted to do. So it's like never wanted to join sure. tournaments, never do some more than that. I think that one of the main things that made Link to the Past better for me was that for the most part, nothing you do, nothing your opponent does matters like at all. Right. Right. Like other than the fact you're playing against them and they have a history, they don't mm -hmm. have any effect on your play other than them hitting dot done first. Right. And so it's just sort of like you can do your stuff in your own head. And most of your disappointments is just sort of like on you. Right. And so, you know, right. sometimes I get, you know, I, I feel, I feel bad because, you know, my level of play was not what I could do. Like I died to a boss in some stupid way or like just some of the random stuff there. But like at a certain point, like, okay, well, I'm in ice rod hunt road and it's like three pendants left, which do I choose? Those are mm -hmm. like perfectly fine levels of like loss to me because it's like I have to make a choice. It could be wrong. Right. At that point, it doesn't matter. Right. And totally. Yeah. And so, you know, like yeah. I've, I've definitely gotten some level of tilt and some angry at certain points of myself. But it's mostly been because I played poorly in a very specific way. Like I think one of my major feel bads was actually it was a league match. And I think it was versus Solsky in Earth season two. I think it was an anonymizer race. And I tried to do diver down and there was a yellow spike block blocking me. And at that point I had flooded the key. I couldn't do the thing. And I like lost by 10 minutes. And like, that's one of the few matches that I feel like bad about that. I just didn't play well. Right. But right. other times though, it's like other matches. One of my most memorable matches, the games I've lost and I managed to get through like one hit KO ice palace. And it took me 20 minutes to do so, but fucking I did it. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. At, at that point, the ending does not matter. I had done a challenge I had set out to do. I did it. And then that counts as a win for me to a certain point. Mm -hmm. No, that's an awesome approach to it for sure. I, I really like that. I think it's a healthy approach, right? It's like trying to make sure that the game doesn't become more than the game. Mm -hmm. It's just something that you can enjoy that way. The game that you're, you're enjoying the game regardless, right? Win or loss, you, you're really enjoying what you're playing yeah it's just it's kind of doing playing as much as i can i think the, one of the major stresses that at some point when you do get to certain levels of brackets that you know i can't avoid the level of like competitiveness to it that you get a sure. certain like mindset that is really hard to avoid and so i've done poorly in some some brackets because i think that the level of stress gets to me and especially when it gets to like best two out of three games you lose the first one it just sort of like has a level of pressure that i don't quite respond well to Sure, so, sure, sure. Which is which is why I was at the most recent tournament I played in was at the Casual Boots tournament, the best of one mm -hmm. brackets. Fantastic! You just you play a game, you're done. Right. It does not matter. I was like, I think right. I lost to Gamachu. I was kicked out by Gamachu by like 38 seconds, and that's like fine. Like sure, I only, I only had to do it once. I didn't have to worry about it again. And then was <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Have you played other tournaments uh, besides? Well, we'll get to the Casual Boots one, but did you mm -hmm. join main tournaments or any of the other tournaments? Uh, so the first main, the so the first main tournament that I did was probably 2019. I think it was 2018 fall. I did a, er, did a early part of the qualifiers. I could only do one, so I never got a chance to qualify. But yeah. I think my only major main tournament run was in 2019, 
and I got to the second round of brackets and I lost to Jet. Oh, okay. Which is, you know, which is like not the worst thing to do. But also, right. I, like, I, I, <laughs> right. I, I also like played myself out of it by like doing some really dumb stuff. But mm-hmm. that was probably that was probably my best run. Like, you know, nothing to complain. Like, like I made no. round of thirty, yeah, yeah like round of sixty-four, round of whatever it was at the time. Like that's uh-huh. that's fine. Sure. In, in terms of like how many people are in this tournament, like that's kind of the best that most people could do, and sure, I'm okay with that. Yeah. So there's that competitiveness that you're talking about, but there's tournaments going on like constantly now. There's you mm-hmm. know it was used to be main tournament <clears throat> league, and then league came, and then league and main tournament. Now there's literally a, a new tournament launching every three to six months now. What made you want to join the Kaz Boots one? And have you joined any others like the, the Kabuki uh, tournament or anything? So I am in the Kabuki tournament. <clears throat> I okay. think the mode's fun. It's also like an interesting mode that I would be willing to play for a period of time there. Not thrilled on how they have the brackets set up, but maybe I just force myself <laughs> right. to not be in them. Don't 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 hear that out loud. But <laughs> it's the exact opposite of the Kaz Boots tournament. <laughs> exactly. But, but, you know, the, the yeah. group stages are fun. You play at least six sure. games with some of your folks there. Uh-huh. Maybe things go from there. But the, the main issue with that is that, you know, once it starts going with league, that kind of some, some overlaps to try to minimize that as much as I can. But for the sure. most part, I've not done that many tournaments. Like looking through my history, I did like other than league, I have co-op tournament. 2020 co-op tournament legend league casual boots mm. i basically kept myself out of a lot of a lot of the a lot of the bigger name stuff there sure sure just uh, the it, stuff uh, that you enjoy right yeah for the most part like and i think that for the main tournaments my, the thing that i enjoy are actually the qualifiers more than i do the the groups or brackets like Why i enjoy that? i enjoy the larger races like just because mm. it's, it, there's more than just winning or losing it's sort of like you can place top. It's just there's more of a sure, more of a win condition than just you know. Did you get first place? Right. So <clears> are <throat> you are are you playing on the ladder then? Uh, no, I don't do ladder much, and that's not because I'm against ladder. It's just that it doesn't fit very well with how I like to play the game. So I don't right. do entrance modes for various stuff there. And so it's sort of like if I could sit down on a Wednesday night, seven p.m., and there would always be a casual boots ladder. That'd be great. But that's not how mm. the ladder is set up. It's sort of right. like, well, maybe it's on a Thursday night. I'm feeling like I might play a game. If mm-hmm. I'm feeling Zelda, maybe I'll check to see what it is. If it's just cross keys, I just immediately close, close Discord and just do something else. <laughs> but it, yeah. just, it just never quite worked out the same schedule as I would want to do. And it's, I'm not sure. the person to sit down and like plan ahead. Like I, I looked at the calendar a couple times to see what modes I would like to play. But other than mm. that, it just never quite works out that it aligns with how I want to play. God, there's something that I so admire about you, and that's... You know what you want, and that's what you do, <laughs> which sounds so basic and simple, but it's like, oh, I, I'm like, there's this like FOMO of missing out on tournaments that I that I kind of have, or I feel like I got to do this or I got to do that, and then I'm joining stuff that I don't really want to do, and it sounds like to me, you've kind of got that in your pocket. I, I would say that it, it's not something that you, it was easy to do. Like I did a lot more playing back in like 2019. I think in 2020, I started to like wane a little bit in terms of like mm. my engagement with stuff. I mean, you know, I keep, sure. keep sticking around, doing stuff there. But I think that keeping my level of gaming to more of like stuff that I want to do is been able to keep me in the community longer versus sure. trying to find some situation like me burning out from like, playing too many stuff there because i know that mm-hmm. i would get a certain way if i get myself overcommitted, and if i get there sure. it's unlikely to go go well for me mm-hmm. what's the future hold for you then are you comfortable with where you're at do you see yourself playing this game for the next few years or so i mean i i can see myself for maybe a couple of years but i mean i would say my 
general interest in the game is, you know, been naturally waning. Like, I enjoy being around people. I like doing some stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, here and there. As long as league exists and as long as we don't definitely get relegated, maybe I'll keep doing that for some period of time there. But it's hard to say how I'm going to do. Like, my level of practicing in the game is basically peaked at this point. Like, I, I don't have the energy to do, like, you know, grinding of rooms for, for, to improve my NMG time. Right. Even though I want to get, like, a 126, and it's, like, right on the cusp. But it's just, like, I don't have the drive to sit down, like... I'm going to do escape now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's it just, it's, it's, it's it, as time's gone on, I would say my activation energy of playing the game is we getting higher and higher. Although when I'm actually playing it, it's, I'm enjoying it. And it's like trying to balance that level of stuff to make sure I can get over that hump, especially when there's mm. other games I'm playing that can, you know, drive my attention instead. Sure. 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 Uh, we, we have a question in chat that I think is a really mm-hmm. good question. It says, how have you approached practice and improvement? Are you meticulous and structured about it? Are you laid back or do you just repeatedly play seeds, et cetera? So back when I was actively practicing, I think when I was doing my first NMG run, I borrowed a spreadsheet from someone that actually had every single NMG room in the game. And you would just write down what your practice times were and try to get to some arbitrary level. I think it was basically mm-hmm. like, I think it was the baseline was like the noob's place. And, you know, I actually went through room by room, trying to do some level of grinding. And that got me to basically my baseline level of competence and get my energy time down. And then since then, like, you know, in order to get myself to the next level, I basically have to do that again, really kind of push myself mm-hmm. to the next level. And I just haven't gotten to that level of wanting to do that. But that was definitely what got me there to start with. Sure. And it's, and then in addition to that, for more random specific stuff, when I'd be watching restreams, every once in a while, like there'd be some random, like maybe questionable thing that a commentator says, and then the chat would be kind of question, you know, talking it back and forth. And if, if I'm not doing anything, I'll just boot up the practice hack and just try some stuff here and there. And just, mm. it just happened to be kind of a random one-off stuff. Like, okay, well, let's see if this is actually real. And then, mm-hmm. and like that, anything, that yeah. that's basically how I did my stuff early on. And at some point then I stopped caring to the same degree, but that's what got me to my baseline level of competence and then from there i never pushed myself further and so as time's gone on you start seeing a lot more people become you know definitely surpassing you and just actually just the number of people who have actually gotten really great at this game has been wonderful to see but at a certain point like nope that's not what i'm going to be able to compete with anymore so (laughs) right i I am happy with myself being level b b plus player and that's that's fine by me like that's that's all i'll ever be I have other contributions to this community, so I'm okay with that. Sure. Do you miss those days of the big races on the weekends and 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 kind of going all 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 the time? Do you think you'd be playing more if those were still around? I, I, to a certain extent, yes, but also like even the bigger races that exist, like your your weekly has some you know, decent people, but it happens on a noon on a Saturday for me, which I would much rather be outside, like going for a bike sure. ride or something. So it's just like maybe in the winter it'd be more fun to see, but it's just sort of. I'm not sure if those come back will bring me back. It's just sort of like mm-hmm. that was the part that was fun for me at the time. Sure, sure. Yeah, I get that. I get that for sure. I have this like love-hate relationship with with big races. I, I do miss those days. There was something fun about having 80 people in a race that wasn't like a <laughs> that wasn't a, you know a, a qualifier. Um, yeah. But I also placed so poorly <laughs> in those <laughs> that, that I don't miss them. Uh, well, so as, as long as you disc, as long as you discount people who are like blatantly trying to cl- clown route to get the high times. And sure. that was, yeah. it's like you, you kind of like don't go for first. You just kind of go for certain levels. Like you can also like pick random people who are joined up, like some of your friends. And like my goal is to beat you arbitrarily yeah. for no reason whatsoever. This is my, this is my goal. And you can kind of do minor gloating afterwards. 
you can just you can make up your own rules after the fact as to what you did well yeah. and didn't do well. And that was the problem like, with being friends with Gamachu is I could just never well, be yeah. that funny <laughs> bitch. <laughs> uh, gosh, we hit the hour mark already. The tilt question, you know, I mean, you've listened to the show. Mm-hmm. And you know it's coming. You seem well equipped to handle tilt based off of your approach to the game. So how do you handle tilt? Mid seed, post seed. Uh, so what are I mean, the ways I, for you to handle that. I have points in Zelda where I don't really qualify as like getting full on tilted. Like tilting, I, I see more in direct PvP, you know, games. Like actually, like multiplayer, mm. you're playing with other people. Like that right. is like what actually gets me more further than that. But in Zelda, for the most part, it's so like if you've done bad on a boss, then it gets sort of draining on you to a certain period of time. And sometimes I can get over it. But sometimes it's just at the end of the day, it's like you have to acknowledge the fact that I'm not having fun. I can't get myself out of this this rut. So you just forfeit and just kind of call it a loss for the day. And being able to identify when that's the case is sort of how I've kept myself healthier in, in some certain point mm. of mind. It's not it's not been perfect. I, I still get angry at random stuff occasionally. You know, I have sure. outbursts like for like a you know period of times that you know just yelling at Moth. It's always Moth. Like Moth is screws me up more <laughs> often than not. Sure. But it's just like sometimes you can get back. Sometimes it just depends on when it hits in the right time. But mm-hmm. it's but yeah, in other games especially, it's sort of like having to realize the fact that I am both not playing well and I'm also getting destroyed. And like try not to force throw myself back in that fire again and again and just taking a breather mm-hmm. doing something completely mindless for a few moments and then I can typically pull it back from there. But sure. If if I've gotten too far, then yes. At, at that point I think I, my love towards the game diminishes a bit if I just don't realize it ahead of time. So I'll step away for like a week or do some stuff there. But it's it's it is very difficult to actually acknowledge the fact when you've gotten to that point. But when I've noticed myself there, I've taken some steps to kind of enjoy, you know, preserve my love of the game I'm playing and not mm-hmm. hating it for the rest of my life. And right. I've made attempts with Zelda to do that. Cause otherwise if I push myself too hard for burnout, I'm probably done with link to the past at least. And so I just kind of keep my engagement to a level where I'm comfortable with is what's helping me keep here for longer. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's great advice. Gosh, I, again, I, I just love your kind of approach to it. I feel like going in, to the game you have a healthier approach so that when the shit falls you're able to handle it a little bit better you know what i mean i i I just think there's there's a there's i don't know there's nuggets of (laughs) truth and things that i could take from that and apply it to myself in ways that's like at the end of the day what what i'm saying is just play the game slightly less like i don't know like i guess that's (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah yeah so many times i would lose and be pissed that i lost and be tilted and then fire up another seed and like I'm already pissed. What am I doing? <laughs> this is going to help. No, it's going to make it worse. Take a break. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. No, it's been great to have you here. I mean, I've been enjoying the show since it started. Everyone's story has been great. So I'm just looking forward to hear what you got going on from here. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. shout outs to Trent X for coming on the show. Really glad to uh, to hear his story and hear his perspective and just uh, yeah, just a good dude man. Really loved having him on the show and uh, I'm glad that he's a part of this community. I'm glad everyone was able to hear his his story as well. Like as a mod in the main discord that's, that's super helpful and kind of behind the scenes but uh, hopefully I can shine a light on, on who he is as a person and how awesome he is. So again, thanks Trent X for coming on. 216 Weekly again this Saturday noon eastern as always we'll be playing in Vroja, twitch.tv slash underscore if you want to watch that you of course can join the race as
as well. You grab yourself a 216 weekly roll in the Discord. You can get a ping when the race room opens. And if you can't race it and you want to run it uh, async, you can do that as well as we post a link to the seeds in that channel. So check that out. We'll be back on Monday with Willard J. Bradley. Awesome conversation with Willard. That was a lot of fun. I'm really excited for this one to go out. Willard has been around forever and was uh, and was on the couch for the uh, Andy Christos GDQ match with uh, Vtorp and Patty. And so kind of one of the voices early on for a lot of people in Rando has built a really cool community over on his on his uh, Twitch. Yeah, it's just a, an awesome part of the community and uh, has a lot of knowledge on the game and uh, is just a cool dude. And we had a really fun conversation. So I, I'm excited for everyone to hear that. That will be this Monday. So check that out. Websites 216pod.com. Subscribe to the show. Has links to the Discord. Join our Discord if you'd like to talk about all things 216, rando, uh, sports, lots of sports talk going on over there with the, with the football season in full effect. Baseball season's about to hit the postseason, and uh, I'm sure I'll be posting about that as the Mariners have made the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. So very excited about that. So yeah, make sure you join the Discord. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. We're available everywhere. If you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that really helps the show. Uh, If you could share the show with your friends, that would also help out a lot. Three shows left until the end of the season. Uh, We'll be back Monday, as I said, with Willard J. Bradley. Really appreciate you all. See you next week.